Getting started on today's Abounding Grace with God's purpose for giving. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. God uses giving in your life to help you shave the flesh away. Every time you give, you are obeying God and you're giving a little bit of your flesh away, a little bit of your greed away. When you give unto the Lord, God has designed giving not to fundraise for churches. He's designed giving to raise disciples. He raises his kids. And one of the things he uses is your money, which is really his money on loan. This is amazing grace. This is It's good to be reminded that God is more interested in raising his kids than raising money. But it does beg the question, what does the Bible say about the issue of giving? We began to consider it last time we were together. Join us in Romans 13 as we delve deeper into what we owe. With today's Abounding Grace, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Paul worked too. Sometimes we think of Paul as some superhuman, but he was a tent maker, he had a job, and he used his job for the ministry. He lived in the world just like you and I do. And as he lived in the world, his heart burned with the gospel. And to see evangelism, to pray for our missionaries that have gone out and created new Jerusalems, new Judea Samarias, it's a powerful, powerful way of looking at missions. And you need the power of the Spirit to do that. Flip over to Romans chapter 8 now, verse 12. There's another time that Paul talked about being a debtor. It's not the first time. In chapter 8, he also mentioned being a debtor. And he talks about and he teaches us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we're not to be debtors to the flesh. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Okay, Paul, debtors to what? Well, first he says what we're not debtors to. He says we're not debtors not to the flesh. We're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. You know what? You owe your flesh nothing. Zero. As a matter of fact, that time of prayer and fasting that you enjoyed, that should be a continual thing in your life. It shouldn't just be an event. You should be constantly reminding yourself and your flesh that the Spirit of God rules in your life, not the flesh. You don't owe your flesh anything. And the more you feed your flesh, the stronger it gets. The more you feed that area of your flesh, the weaker you become in the Spirit. And so he says, I'm, we're debtors, but not to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, verse 13, you'll die. Did you hear that, church? That's the sentence of living in the flesh. You're going to die. Even if you don't die physically, spiritually, you're going to shrivel up. And then what's going to happen? What happened to you? Well, you're probably living according to the flesh. So if you do that, you're going to die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. And that time you committed to prayer and fasting, you, that was life, man. That was life. I know it probably hurt. <laughs> I know it probably frustrated you. You probably had these intense, crazy headaches like you've never had before. And that's all your body's saying, don't you do this to me. Don't you do this to me. Why are you doing this to me? Feed me. Take care of me. Nurture me. Help me. And you know what? As you said no to the flesh, you enabled yourself to say yes to the Spirit. And that's where life comes so back in Romans 13 now, verse 8, 
Paul talks about two types of debts, one that can be fully repaid, and that is relatable to financial obligations. Or, you know, there's a debt. You borrow something from your neighbor, this is a debt you can repay. Take it back to them. I hope your garage isn't filled with things you've borrowed. Give them back. Take them back. Be a good witness. This is a debt you can repay. I can repay. The original language in verse 8, owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. The original language reflects the idea that Paul is saying, don't keep owing anyone anything. The essence is when the payment comes due, pay it. And if you can pay more and extra to get out of debt, then do it. Don't prolong it. Don't keep it going. Don't keep adding to it. Don't try to put it off. Don't try to get out from under your obligations. You see, if we fail to meet our financial obligations, then we are sinning according to this command. Romans 13, verse 8. In the first century, there was a great misunderstanding that Paul perhaps was trying to correct. Turn over to Matthew chapter 6, would you? This is familiar. In Matthew chapter 6, there was a misunderstanding about debts, and it came directly from this model prayer that Jesus gave. And as you go through the prayer, the church was kind of twisting it around to their own advantage, some believers were. And we're going to pick up in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6, where it says, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now some took that phrase forgive our debts to mean financial debts. And then they took it one step further and there were those that were teaching in the early church, there were those teaching that all you needed to do was pray this prayer and you would be completely free of all your debts. Oh, if it was that easy, huh? Like, oh, Lord, I forgive my debtors. I'm out from under it. Not. There's still the debt. There's still confusion about money today and debt and borrowing and lending. It may not surround this passage here, but there's still a great misunderstanding, a lot of confusion about debt today. There is this mistaken belief and teaching that if you're in debt for any reason, for any length of time, that that is sinful and ungodly. But you know, the Bible doesn't teach that. It's man-made. Some man made that up. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. The Bible is clear that the proper use of credit is not prohibited by God. Like God isn't expecting you to pay cash for your home. Just come up, $200,000, $300,000, whatever your house is, just come up with the cash or you can't live there. He's not expecting believers to not have an arrangement where you owe rent month to month. Like, well, how's what I live? I mean, if I can't owe rent and I can't pay a mortgage, then what am I supposed to do? Sometimes when you take false doctrines to their extreme, you see the absurdity of them. And then you come back and you go, okay, what does the Bible really teach about debt? Because this verse isn't saying you can't, that you have to pay cash for your home, that there is proper use of credit. And that the proper use of credit, of lending and borrowing, is not prohibited by God. The instruction simply in verse 8 is to pay off your bills on time or sooner. That's what it's saying. Owe no one anything except to love. Don't be in a position where you're owing and owing and owing and owing and never getting out from under it. And of course, especially in relation to our society, getting in over your head with these credit cards and things that you're buying things you don't need. You know, that just stay away from that stuff. 
It's hurting you. It's strapping you. Flip over to Exodus chapter 22 now. You'll see that the concept of lending and borrowing, the teaching from God, is clear, dating back all the way to the Old Testament. It's an Old Testament and a New Testament, and we'll look at both of them. I just want to read a couple verses to you, and you can see that God does not prohibit the proper use of lending or borrowing. Exodus 22, pick up with me in verse 14. Exodus 22, verse 14 says, If a man borrows anything from his neighbor and it becomes injured or dies, the owner of it not being with it, he shall surely make it good. So already, early on in the children of Israel, in the realm of borrowing and lending, make it good. Same chapter, verse 25, Exodus 22. If you lend money to any of my people who are poor among you, you shall not be like a money lender to him. You shall not charge him interest. So among the children of Israel, as they lent to one another, it was just to lend and not try to make a profit out of it. Of course, that's not the world system. We live in a different world, a different society. But, you know, among brothers, we just take care of each other. We lend, we pay back. There's a good relationship among believers in the church. Jot this down, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 10. And by the way, there's a principle in lending to one another, and that's just don't expect it back. So if you're lending, just, just in your mind, you're giving it away. If it comes back, praise the Lord. But in our hearts, God wants us to have a giving heart, not expecting anything in return. But in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 10, it says, When you lend to your brother anything, you shall not go into his house to get his pledge. You shall stand outside and give instruction. He says, don't go in and take from him. Don't embarrass him. When you lend to someone, don't go in his house. Let him come out to you. Don't embarrass him. Flip over now to Matthew 25. By the time we come to the teachings of Jesus, we have here before us the parable of the talents. It's amazing how many spiritual truths come from Jesus' parables. Parables are like strings of pearls. They're just stories that are cast alongside spiritual truths. And so in the story is a weight of spiritual truth. And there's a lot to learn about faithfulness and contentment and things of the parable of the talents. But I want to show you something that you may not have seen before. In Matthew 25, we have a story, a a story where Jesus says, hey, look, there were these three servants, their master gave them things, and they were supposed to go out and, and use them and bring them back. They were supposed to be faithful with the master's talents because they didn't belong to them. They were just stewards of them. And the two of the men brought back more, remember, as the story goes. Two of the men brought back more than they left with. But we come to the last man, and I want you to see verse 24. Here's the last man. It says, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed, and I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. And listen to the answer. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Therefore, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with, what does your Bible say? Say it loud. Interest. The master said, go invest my money. You hit it. You're unfaithful. At the very minimum, you could have dropped it in the bank and got interest on it. And so proper use of God's resources, he entrusts to our care, proper use of money, investments, God would have us to be faithful. God would have us to be faithful. The Bible definitely teaches us 
more than one occasion. Go through the Proverbs. You see a lot of instruction on how to use money, how to handle it. And the Bible teaches us that borrowing, lending, gaining interest, investments are all within the will of God. They're all and can be okay. Of course, though, it's not that in and of themselves that these decisions become sinful, but there is a line that easily gets crossed when money becomes a God to us. And we worship money. We worship mammon. And instead of using money for the kingdom of God, money and the system in which we're in uses us and takes us away from fruitfulness within God's kingdom. Remember, Jesus said it very clearly. You can jot it down. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But Christians, some of you have been snared like that bird in the fowler, in the cage, got snapped. I mean, it, it hasn't even hit you yet. You haven't even cut your credit cards up yet. Like some of you need to cut them up and get rid of them. They're a bondage to you. It's so important that we use resources wisely. I mean, isn't it true? Isn't it such a cool thing to get out of debt? Remember the good old days when you bought a car and they sent you a payment coupon book? Remember that? And you'd look through the... Anybody remember that? Am I... Any yes? No? All right. Back in the old days, in the 80s, whatever, you know? In the 90s. You had these coupon books and you'd write out the check and send... Now they just suck it out of your bank account now. But uh, you used to write a check. And do you remember the last check that you wrote? You wrote out the envelope. You went to dinner, man. You said, we're writing no more car payment. And you wrote that check and the feeling was so good. The last time you, you know, the last time you got out of credit card debt. I have a pastor friend of mine, young guy, recently talking to me and telling me, hey, Ed, we paid off our house. I said, oh, man, that is so cool. That is so wonderful. They took some investments. They put some things together. They paid off their house, and it's so good. They're, they're a young couple with young kids. You know, pastors don't make that much money, so not to have a house payment, let alone a car payment, they were just really wise. I was so excited for them. I hung up with him, picked up my phone, called Marie, and I said, babe, how much do we owe? <laughs> like, oh, it's going to take some time for us. But how wonderful. I rejoiced with him. So many people stretch themselves so thin when they don't need to be. They take on debts that they could never repay. They spend money that they simply don't have on things that they simply don't need. And then they don't pay it back. The system of credit in our country works against you. You just make the minimum payments, you're going to be paying forever. Oh, no, don't worry about it, they say. But are you getting your wisdom from the financial consultants? Are you getting your wisdom from the Lord? So important, church. It's so important for us to be faithful with the resources that we have. Not to overextend ourselves. I'm not talking about emergencies. I'm not talking about unforeseen things that are just necessities. I'm not talking about. That's between you and the Lord. And so is the other part of it, where you're using credit and you're using it in a way that's, you're in bondage. So much so that you don't give. You haven't given in a long time of your tithes and offerings to the Lord. You don't give. 
Because you're so caught up in all these other areas, all these other things that you, you know, you're at a point where, you know, Ed, you don't understand, man. I can't afford to give. That's between you and the Lord. But I'll tell you something. I've had some lean times with my wife and my family. And I'll tell you something. You can't afford not to give. God uses giving in your life to help you shave the flesh away. Every time you give, you are, you are obeying God and you're giving a little bit of your flesh away, a little bit of your greed away. When you give unto the Lord, God has designed giving not to fundraise for churches. He's designed giving to raise disciples. He raises his kids. And one of the things he uses is your money, which is really his money on loan to you. It's his resources. And church after church after church after church after church suffers because Christians don't obey in this area. And one of the reasons churches and Christians don't obey in this area is because of all this crazy debt that they shouldn't have gone into in the first place. And if you need help in this area, call us. We have godly men that are here to help you, to help free you. It's just sinful church to yield to the temptations all around us and buying things that we don't need and we can't afford whatever happened to waiting and saving well the world has sold us a bill of goods that's what happened the world said don't worry about it well all the while God has said oh no you be concerned about it oh no God you don't understand that got it all hooked up 12 months, no interest, no problem. We'll take care of it. And then something happens. You miss a payment. Before you know it, you're in over your head. We're not smarter than God. We follow God's principles with finances. He'll bless that. We decide to go against God's principles with finances. We'll pay the price. There's a familiar verse that comes to mind in that, and that is, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows... That's what he'll reap. You sow to the flesh, you'll reap destruction. You sow to the spirit, you reap everlasting life. It happens, it's true in finances as well. If you need help, call us. Here's a good rule of thumb. You have two thumbs, so let me give you two good rules of thumb. You ready? Number one, don't incur debt that you know you can't repay. Just say no. And number two, don't carry balances on your credit cards. Pay them off. And if you're in so far over your head right now and you don't know how, let us help you. We're here to serve you. Call the office. Make an appointment. It's important for us to get a handle on this. As Christians, it's helpful to have a budget. A written budget. I know some of you are way ahead. You already have a budget. It's in your mind. It's not written down anymore. But for those of you that you need a budget, you need to write down what your expenditures are. What are the needs of your household? It would be good just for a couple weeks to take a little notepad and write down every little thing. You know, that 50 cent candy bar, that dollar soda you had to have because you were thirsty, that Big Mac, that second Big Mac, that third bit, you know, all of them, just write them down. And you'll see, you'll see that if there's a pattern in your life of just spending, 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 you'll see it because I'll tell you what, your credit card bill hasn't shocked you yet. But you start taking out, you go, wow, I didn't know that dollar here, five dollars there. That's like 500 bucks a month. I didn't know I was spending $500. I know you didn't because it was just a dollar here, five dollars there, three dollars there. And it's good to have a budget. Now, if you're taking notes, let me give you a few things that will help you in this realm. Things that you can start praying about, things that will help you greatly. When you get your paycheck, 
Now, I know a lot of us don't get paychecks anymore, right? They just doop right into our account. But you might get a little receipt thing, right? So when you get that receipt thing, you get your paycheck. That day you get it. Number one, first thing you do is pray. First thing you do is pray. And some of the things you can pray around that paycheck is thank you, God, for my job. It'll help you with all the feelings you're having about your job right now. I hate my boss. Hate my, I wish I made more money. Oh, thank you. I got my paycheck. Well, I need more money. I don't have any money. I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate my... Well, <laughs> that's not going to help you. See, God, it's good. Man, thank you for work. You know, there are people out of work right now. And you'll start to pray for people out of work. You'll start to seek. The, you, your heart changes when you pray. And you know what? Maybe it's not all that, you, all that you wanted. You know, the numbers don't add up. But thank you, God, for what you've given me. Compared to zero, this is good. And you know, Lord, maybe this isn't the place I need to be working. Would you open a door for me? But when you pray, you start to yield your heart to the Lord. And you need to pray. Thank God for that job. Thank God for that work. Thank God for that pay. And number two, the first check you write is unto the Lord. You give your tithe and offering unto the Lord. You write that check and you give it unto the Lord. So many people aren't giving, aren't tithing, even in our own church, because they're not even using money as a stewardship from God. Giving wholeheartedly of yourself unto the Lord. Giving of yourself, like, not like the tax man, that God's just going to put his hand in your pocket and take it from you. No, he desires us to give freely from our hearts. And for some of you right now, conviction is setting in pretty heavily. Good. Why aren't you giving? I don't know. I don't involve myself in that stuff. I don't know whether you give or not. I'm going to love you and serve you no matter what. Doesn't matter to me in that respect. I'm going to serve you as a pastor, as a fellow believer. That's fine with me. But between you and the Lord, do you think you're getting away with something? Do you think it's not no big deal to spend money on yourself and everything that you want and, and have no mind for the things of the Lord? Do you think that's okay? That's not how you got saved. When you got saved, you were so enamored in the work of God. You go, take all of me, Lord. But over the years, something happened. Your attitude changed. And you're not giving unto the Lord. One of the reasons why is you're not writing that as your first check. It really even can't be your first check, right? Because the tax man gets first. And then after the tax man pulls his share out, then like, well, Ed, okay, um, should I tithe on the gross or the net? Are you serious? Just give unto the Lord. He'll tell you, did you, did you get a gross type of check or a net kind? You know, just give one to the Lord. We're not going to ask you for your W-2 here. We're not going to print out commitment envelopes for you. We're not going to make you sign a commitment card. Give to the Lord. Just give. You've been listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the midst of a study in Romans. If you'd like to hear it again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Then look under Quick Links. We also offer the program by podcast. Another way to listen to Pastor Ed's teachings is through our mobile apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora, and you'll be able to download both our church app and the Grace FM Colorado app. Thanks for your support of Abounding Grace. It does make a difference. Your donation today will help us present God's Word over the radio tomorrow.
We're consistently receiving wonderful reports from listeners of how God is using the Word to help them grow by God's abounding grace. You're helping to make that possible. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you Pastor Chuck Smith's book, Love, The More Excellent Way. We say and sing that love makes the world go round, that love is the answer, and that all you need is love. But what is love? And if it's so popular, why does it seem so hard to find? Allow Pastor Chuck to lead you to the answers in love, the more excellent way. Please call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you just like to make a donation and aren't interested in the resource, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Whether you're out of town, on vacation, sick and not feeling well, or you're under a stay-at-home order, you can always join us for services online at Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora. Those service times are Saturdays at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 8.45 and 10.45. And we offer a midweek service, too, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We live stream at calvaryco.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but come back next time when we'll resume Pastor Ed Taylor's study of Romans on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.